0: we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, your Senior Pastor Dan Willis. So, How you doing, kids? Listen, don't you love it when God upsets your plans? Are we no light? They're not ready? Oh, sorry, you're on. Okay. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning to our congregation here. Good morning uh, to our Mecca campus. Good morning to those of you who are listening online. Uh, Several of my friends uh, have told me they're going to listen this morning. I welcome you for being uh, here with us today. And so, like I said, don't you hate it when God upsets your plans? Anybody, God's ever done that to you? You have everything planned out. You're ready to go. You know what you're going to do. And God says, no, don't do that. You're like, what? But I thought you told me to do it. God said, I did, but not right now. I want you to do something else. Well, that's what happened. So Friday was a busy day for me. Uh, we were preparing uh, to do our, our, uh, uh, our block party and the dinner. And, of course, Jessica and I made the food, you know, and Billy of course smoked uh, half of the uh, pork bus for me. And I did the others. And, and so we were busy, right? Uh, everybody's busy doing that stuff, so I had pork butts I had to get on. I had I had them soaking the night before. I had to get them on at four o'clock uh, on Friday to be ready for because they smoke, you know, eight hours, and you wrap them. They smoke another eight hours, then they sit for two, and so you got it. It takes a little bit of time. Then I knew that I had to uh, get the beans together. The saw had to be made, with Jessica and I did that, uh, and so all these things had to happen. I had a message to finish. Uh, I had a brand new lawnmower that I purchased coming to my house. I had just. Friends, I'm telling you, it was a day. Well, let's leave it at that. And so that was happening. And in the midst of that, I had, I was between different things, I was finishing my message, and out of the blue, God says, I, I felt this strange sensation in my in my gut, and God's like, I know you're not gonna like this, but I don't want you to do that. And I went, but I'm done. And God said, "No, you no, you're not." He said, "That's this is a great message. It really is, but it's not the right timing. It's not the right timing. I want you to do it. So sit that on the back burner and allow me to tell you when to bring it in, but not now." And I'm like, "Well, then what am I gonna do?" And I started thinking, as as I as we all do. Well, maybe I can go back and look at my archives and pull one out that I can use. God said, "No, I didn't ask you to do that. No." This is what I want you to do. He said, but before, before you do that, go to the sanctuary, sit down, seek me, okay? And we'll put one together, together. We'll put one together, together. Mike. okay. And that's what happened. And so I got to believe that God wants to say something to us today. And I've entitled this message, Rekindle the Gift of God rekindle the gift of God and it comes from second Timothy chapter 1 verses 6 to 13 I'm going to read out of the new revised standard today and I don't often do that Uh, the revised standard version uh, along with the American standard uh, and the English standard were direct translations now we have the new American standard the ESV has been updated and now we have the new revised standard The new revised standard isn't exactly a direct translation it's close uh, but they've modified it a little bit. Wouldn't you, Pastor Bob, wouldn't you say it's kind of uh, sort of uh, sort of a mixture, of paraphrase and direct translation? Yeah, I would say it is. Uh, I don't know, Pastor Chris, if you looked at it much. Uh, but it, it basically is kind of a mixture. It, I, I, some seminaries would allow it, I would say. Uh, definitely the one predecessor it would. This one, maybe not. But either way, I like the way that this reads. And, and Paul says to Timothy, For this reason I remind you, to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. Now, Paul couldn't have laid hands on Timothy because he was in prison. So you got to think, how did Paul do that? Well, he had to have done it through the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Because he says he's doing it. So God has a long reach, doesn't he? God, has, God can touch anybody, can't he? Well, that's what he's done. He says, for God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. He says, do not be ashamed then of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Wow, but now it has been revealed through the appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. And for this reason, I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know the one In whom I have put my trust and I am sure that he is able to guard until that day what I have entrusted to him so if you ever needed a reason to entrust things to God here it is okay he says hold on to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus now friends you got to grasp a couple things here. I'm going to be a teacher today. I need you to understand what you're going to be taught. We have to emphasize verse 6 here because the Greek word used by Paul is anazoporeo. Say it. Anazoporeo. Anazoporeo. And it is a phrase of a conglomerate of words. And it basically means to stir up. And some of you in your Bibles may, it may say stir up, or to rekindle, or some may say to fan into flame. You know, when you have a campfire, sometimes if you stir the, the coals, it, it, it starts to burn again, right? If you fan it, it does it again, and that's rekindling, isn't it? Right? Uh, you can actually keep a campfire for literally a whole day by uh, kind of smothering it with some dirt, and then if you... Pull, get the dirt off of it and put some more uh, fuel on it, it will take off again oftentimes. And if you've ever had a campsite uh, and, and you've done it for any length of time, you probably have done that. And that's what happens. And God is saying that you have some embers in you, but I want them to burn because they're kind of smoldering right now. You are smoldering in your faith. You're smoldering in your Christianity. You're smoldering in your fervor, in your, your joy, your you're rejoicing for God. You're smoldering, but you're not burning. You understand? Big difference. Some translations, such as the New American Standard, might say, rekindle afresh. In other words, you got a little, you got a little fire going, but we want to turn it into a bonfire. It's a fresh one. It's a new fire, starting from the old one. You understand? This is what Paul means by this. And the apostle Paul is writing to this young Timothy and he was saying Timothy you've been saved. No doubt about it. And the spirit is living in you. And Timothy, God has called you into his service. And that's take Timothy's name out, put yours in there. He's writing to all of us. Take your name out and put take his name, put yours in. God has called you to service. And today whatever your name is, I place my hands upon you through this letter as a token of God's call. Why? Because God has called every single one of you. Every one of you has been called to God's service. Haven't you? You've been called to God's service. And so now, put your name in the blank. Rekindle yourself and do what God asks of you. Rekindle and do what God asks of you. Dear friends, this is a picture of an older fundamentalist Christian. And and he knows his life is nearly over because Paul is just waiting to be executed. And and it happens not too long after this, by the way. In fact, many people believe that 2 Timothy is the last letter written. It probably is. He's he's, he's gone as far as he's going to go with the Roman government, and they've had enough of him. And so, they're going to they're execute him, and they do it quietly, uh, and so it wasn't a spectacle. They just behead him at night, and nobody knows about it. It's a, 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 a summary execution. Okay? So, the, you know, the Roman government was good about getting rid of people. You know? So, this, this is what happened. So, he's writing this. So, this, this older fundamentalist Christian is writing to a young Christian pastor who's also fundamentalist, meaning back to the basics. This is what the Word of God says. This is what I'm going to believe. That's fundamentalism. Look at the elemental fundamentals, right? Getting back to the basics. In the church today, we have a lot of puff. A lot of things that aren't in the Scripture. I'm not saying they aren't, they aren't good. But whenever those things become first nature to you and the Word of God becomes second nature, now you got a problem. When the church puts more emphasis on their music worship, on their fellowship and on the fun things that they do, we got a problem. And let me give you an example. I'm not against children's church. Don't hear me say it, that I am. But it used to be there wasn't children's church. Children were right here. But we're scared to death to do that anymore because we know they won't behave. That's because we're not parenting like we should. That's because we haven't taught them that you don't, you don't screw around in church like that. We've gotten away from what used to be. And that's one of the things we ought to go back to. Let me tell you why. Children's church is good. They learn on their level. I love it. But if we don't have children's church one day, there should be no church in the land anywhere where kids haven't learned to sit here and keep their mouths shut and behave. Okay? This is what I'm talking, and I'm not picking on that. There are a gazillion things that we've gotten away from we need to go back to because we've forgotten the elemental fundamentals. And so here are two fundamentalist people. You know where it is? Writing the Word of God. Here they are. And Paul's saying, "Listen. When in doubt, go right back to the Word of God. When you don't know what to do, go here. We haven't done that, friends. There's been plenty of times I didn't know what to do about something, and did I go to the Word of God? Probably not, because I thought, well, it won't talk to me about you know how to run you know uh, a, a fun event or how to do you know how to deal with a certain person. No, it it might not be in there specifically. No, but the ideas of how to be a good Christian and how to put my eyes in 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 faith right there." Are all here so fundamentals are important you have to go back to those and, and I think we've gotten away from it and so Paul is telling Timothy listen fundamentalism is important now both of these guys believed in the Word of God both of them believed in God and his Christ and both were saved and called to God's service yes or no of course they were and so Paul is trying to rekindle this spirit in this young man that he knows is going to take his place because Paul's about to be executed. And Timothy is going to take his place as the pastor of all these churches that Paul has fostered implanted, and, and nurtured. It falls on this young guy to do it with no training whatsoever except for his time with Paul. <laughs> wow. It's all on you, brother. You got to do it. And Timothy could have said, oh, I can't. I don't want to. It's too much. People don't like me. They won't listen to me. They think I'm too young. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, sure. But Paul says, but you're going to do it. You know why? Because Timothy was too busy. It was too much. He, (laughs) He was confused. And he was discouraged. Because while Paul's in prison... Who's been running the show? Timothy. Did he get any help from the disciples in Jerusalem? No, he did not. He was scared to death of them. I've been there. I've been there. And listen, I thought, I watched my pastor, and I watched my pastor, and I watched another pastor, and I watched another pastor. I I served under several pastors as an assistant before I was given the key to the pastor's office in South Bend at Sunlight Fellowship. And I wasn't even ordained. I was licensed, but I wasn't ordained. And the DS said, it's you. And I said, oh, goody, because I can do this. I know what's up. I went to that church for years. I knew what to do. And I found out pretty quick that I didn't. Until you sit in that chair, you don't know. You think you do. And you will second guess the person sitting there because you think you would do it better and differently. And you find out, uh, maybe not. Every single one who's ever gone through the pastorate knows what I'm talking about. And if you haven't done it yet, you will. And so Timothy is like, what do I do here? I'm not Paul. No, you're not. God didn't call you to be. But he did call you to do this. And every single one of us has got to understand that. And we're all busy, too busy. We're all too confused, and we're all discouraged. Don't tell me we're not, because I know we are. Satan wants to keep the church busy, confused, and discouraged. Every one of us. And we're all too busy, I promise you. Okay? Now, in other words, with Timothy, God was was telling him through Paul that Satan is sucking the life out of you. Just like he's sucking the life out of me. Just like he's sucking the life out of you. And you know when he's doing it. And sometimes you don't. Anybody identify with that today? Okay? In both letters to Timothy... Paul continues to remind, encourage, and challenge Timothy. He's saying, be a good soldier in the kingdom of God. You see, soldiers can't just up and determine when they're going to soldier and when they're not going to. You you, you can't. You can't just say, well, I'm going to fight today and tomorrow I won't. I'm going to take the day off today or I'm just going to leave the service. I'm just going to, it doesn't work that way. When you're in, you're in and you go and fight every single time when you're called to do it. It doesn't matter if you want to or not. Why do we think we have some, some uh, uh, leeway with soldiering in the kingdom of God and when we don't want to? Fair question, isn't it? Because we don't feel like we're under any contract. We don't feel like we're under any obligation. That's why we will come to church when we want to and we want when we don't. That's why we'll serve when we want to and we won't when we don't. Why we'll get involved in certain ministries when we want to, and we won't when we don't. That's who we are, because Satan says, do that. Because now I can make you an ineffective Christian, and I will, and he has. And everybody in here, if you're angry at me, you shouldn't be. Your fight's not with me. It's with the one who's doing it to you. It's him, because it's absolutely the truth. And so Paul is writing to Timothy saying, hey, man, this is happening, dude. It's going on. He says, not only be a good soldier, endure the hardships that come with it. Endure the heartaches that come with it. And endure the persecution that surely must come. And if you've ever been a pastor, you know what I'm talking about. You can't please everybody. You never will. You get blamed for things you didn't do. Even when you didn't even know about it. And every time you make a decision, somebody doesn't understand why you've done it and they're angry with you. Sometimes they'll stick around the church and have a bad attitude and sometimes they'll just leave and never tell you. It's a fact. And I'm thinking, who's the problem? It didn't me. It didn't the pastor. It's whoever did it. But Satan's like, division, division, division. He's like that that, that monkey with the, you put battery batteries in them and they they hold the symbols and smiling the whole time. Um, division. 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 He's good at it. You'll never forget that, will you? Satan wants to divide. Because if he divides, he can conquer. You understand? So he did it then, he's doing it now. He's gonna continue. And I'm not, I'm not, I am not i am wise to it, I know what he's doing and I hate it when I know he's doing it, and I can't stop it. You see? And so Paul's telling Timothy. He says, study the word of God. Spend time in prayer. Of course, you've never heard that before. Listen to the instruction of the disciples in Jerusalem. Believe it or not, he wanted them to do that because he knew that they were the last ones that Christ taught. So if you go back to... The religious leaders in the church you will do it their way and it was wrong jesus said so so since i'm gone now paul's telling him you're gonna have to go back to those guys and and he did peter was instrumental in helping him of course peter didn't have much long to live either because the roman government was hunting them all down here one of them he says use your time wisely reset your priorities and every single one of us better start looking at that right now. Because I promise you this, time with God, time service of service in your church, and spiritual things are not number one in your priority list. I promise you, they're not. And you know what? I'll prove it to you. If anybody's brave enough to spend a week with me, I'll prove it to you. Anybody want to spend a week with me? I know some of you are because you are You know. I'm talking about the ones that aren't willing. Because you don't want to believe it. But it's true. Here's another thing. He says, put your time and your efforts into the kingdom of God and not in your own personal life and desires. You, 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 you can't, if, if you could box up, put, put your life and your desires in a box, and you tried to switch that box out for uh kingdom's uh, service in the kingdom and spending time with God and putting things you you'd be hard-pressed people would hang on to that the box of their life with all they've got they would never switch them out here give me this box and let me give you God's box oh no you ain't doing that to me I know we would hold on like this tell me we wouldn't because that's that's how Satan's taught us and Paul's saying no You've got to give that up. God will see to it that you get to do the things that are important to you. He'll see to it that you get to have a life, I promise you. But you can't see how good your life can be because you want to hang on to what you've got. Let it go. And I can give you a, a gazillion analogies on that. We don't have time for it. And he says, surrender completely to Christ and prove your worth to your father. Friends, I didn't think of it that way before, but I have a responsibility every single day to prove my worth to my father. You know why? Look at what he's done for me. That's all I need to do. All I got to do is look at how he saved me, how he, he took me from death to life like that. Right? That's all I need to do. Because you can't put a price on that. And I can't do enough. I can't study enough. I can't love enough. I can't do the things enough. To give him back what he's done for me. So I got to prove my worth of my heart. And so that's what he's telling Timothy you have to do. And I began to think about that. What was Paul doing? What exactly is Paul doing to Timothy and to you and me? Exactly what we have to do today. That's what he was doing. If we don't rekindle people, if we don't stir and fan the flames and move people, we failed. If we don't, if I preach or teach on a Sunday morning, if I preach or teach on a Sunday night and a Wednesday night and no one is rekindled, no one is fanned, and no one is stirred to go out and do what God says, then I really haven't done much. I really haven't. You see, I think we can hold services and they mean nothing. Boy, that sure was a great message. Boy, what a great lesson. But if you don't do anything with it, it was worthless. It meant that much. You were entertained for an hour. However long it is. And Paul was doing this all the time. He wrote to the Christians in the churches of Rome, Corinth, Caesarea Philippi, and Ephesus in the same way and for the same reasons. He told them all the same things, different ways, but he did it to move stir fan and rekindle people to move them and shake them now friends I'm not sure Christians want to be shaken today I'm not sure we really want to be shaken up you see I believe they'd rather put their efforts into their own lives I feel like they want to come to church on Sunday morning, listen for an hour or so, get up, walk out the door, go home, eat dinner, and forget about everything that's been said. I believe that because I see the result. I believe, friends, that our Wednesday night and Sunday night attenders probably do want to be moved and shaken, but it's usually the same people. And I'm not, listen, I'm not picking on anybody. Okay, don't, don't hear me say that. If that's what you heard, your, 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 your mind's where it doesn't belong. I need to get your mind out of that, out of Satan's realm and get it in God's realm. I'm just being honest and truthful here. I believe the people that spend time here really do want to learn. I believe they want to be moved and shaken. And I tell you this, I don't care how busy you are, you'll do what you want to. You will, okay? And people tell me I've learned more here in two months than I ever did in 20 years anywhere else. Great, you know why? Because you're here another time besides Sunday morning. It's called effort. It's called commitment to the priority of learning. Isn't it? Isn't that what it's called? Okay. And how how many of you have attended our other services besides Sunday morning and know that you've learned from them? How many of you would say you've learned a lot from them? How many of you would say that you've learned way more than you ever would just coming on Sunday morning? There it is. So those of you who don't, what should you do? Well, if you don't do it here, go somewhere. As long as you're doing it. Okay? I'm telling you. That's how you learn. That's how I learned. I did. I learned that way. And I didn't always want to go on Wednesday night and Sunday morning. And I got chastised by the leadership of my church because I was a board member and I didn't do it. Because I had six kids and it was too busy. I had four. You know, I had kids at four different ballparks at the same time. I had love. And they said, so have we. We've all done it. And my wife and I made a decision. We're going to do it. We're going to tithe properly. Not when we can. Every time. Regardless. First. Before I do anything else. You know what God did? All my bills were paid. And they weren't before. Now, how do you figure that out? I gave my time to him. I started going on those other times. You know what? I still had time to be a good a good parent to my kids. We still they, they didn't they didn't want for a thing. They didn't I I don't think we missed anything they did. Ask them. I'm sure they'll tell you. So I know because I've done it. No one can tell me it doesn't work. When you give God first, he will see to it every single time. And you won't be confused and because I used to sit, what do I do? I got this, 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 and this, and I don't know which one to do. And God said, throw them, throw them all out, set them aside, focus on me, and guess what? They all got what they needed. And sometimes I didn't do certain things that I wanted to do. That's just the way it is. But I grew in Him. And I think, wow. Church, we need to be moved, we need to be shaken whether it's by the speaker or by the Holy Spirit through the speaker or worship through our music or worship through our service or whatever it is. We need to be moved and shaken. That's why we call it movers and shakers, amen? But we have to do what God asks. We have to try to rekindle people. Moses had this in mind when he said, be careful that you don't forget about the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. My heavenly Father through his Son, and my faith in him has imparted the Holy Spirit in me, and he took me out of a living hell and brought me into the promised land. I don't have to be dead to have it. I have heaven on earth because it's assured for me, whether I'm living or in the grave when he returns. It's assured to me. It's been promised to me. I believe in that. Because if I don't, I'm wasting my time here. I believe in that. And I want God to shake me to the core so that I know what's right. So I stop thinking secularly because, I'm, I'm, because it's all about influence. I'm getting more influence here than I am out there. Friends, I've seen people time and time and time again, and I never say a word to them. I never say a word because it's, it's not up to me to convince them, convince them or convict them. It's up to him. But I've seen people time and time and time again, they separate their spiritual life from the rest of life. And I'll tell you, I used to do that. And you know what I've decided to do? I don't care what party affiliation somebody is. If a Christian is running for office, I don't care if the person who's running against them is a best friend, I'm voting for the Christian. I don't care. I'm doing it. Why? Because that's what God wants us to do. I'm going to surround myself with Christian people in fellowship. I can have friends outside of my Christian friends, but you've got to put things into perspective. What's what's influencing you the most? Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm just not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to surround myself with Christian friends. Matt has told me time and time and time again, when he works at NDOT, most of the people up there are not Christians. Yes or no? And sometimes he will call me, hasn't been lately, but a couple years ago, he would call me up and say, I wish I could work in a place that the majority of people were Christians. What a difference. Yes or no? How many of you believe believe that's true? How many would would rather work with Christians than non-Christians? Not that you can't be friendly with people, but the influence is there. You understand? These are the things we have to do. You gotta, you gotta, garbage in, garbage out. You, you, you don't mean to, but it happens. So, friends, this is what I'm talking about here. This is what Paul's trying to tell Timothy. This is, what, this is what Moses was trying to tell the Israelites. Moses was stirring, moving, and shaking people up, and we have to do the same. Today's Christian has to be shaken up. I'm not happy, and neither are you, that some Christian foundational churches are failing. I, I don't look at it like, oh, that church is failing. Good, maybe there are people who come here. I don't think that way. I don't want to see churches fail if they're true churches. If they're not, sure, fail away. But if they're true speaking, I want them them to to do well. I'm happy for people. I don't get jealous of people who do well. I'm glad for people who do well, even if they do better than me. I couldn't do that without God because I'd be jealous of them. And you know what? It happens here. Don't tell me it doesn't. I know it does because God says it does. God says it happens in every church in the land. Jealousy rears its head, and we get angry because somebody did something better or got something that we didn't. Greg Ewing used to tell me, Dan, I'm telling you, I could give you a pen, and sure enough, as soon as people found out I gave you a pen, they'd run in my office and say, Well, you never gave me one. (laughs) Never mind that he gave it to me for a reason, for a specific purpose. It wasn't because I'm his favorite. But that's how it's perceived see this is we're worried about this instead of worrying about what what somebody's why don't you worry about you worry about what God's called you to do keep your, you won't get jealous if you do that I promise you you won't this is what we have to do friends I am not proud that certain churches are shifting away from their stand for the Word of God I'm not proud of that they're so worried about other things, and I'm not judging other churches. I'm just saying, it's happening. There's clear evidence today that all around us are dead or nearly dead churches, lifeless and struggling, and they need to be shaken. They need to be awakened, need to be revived, and need to be moved forward, because that's where we're failing. There's not a fervency for service in the kingdom because we're in the Word of God, and like Manny was talking about earlier, we, we, we've got this, this rejoicing that's coming out of us. Because of it. Now, you're not going to have great days all the time. I know that. You're going to have some pretty funky days sometimes. You're going to have some days that are pretty bad. Uh, You know? But Paul had them all the time. He said, but they can't steal my joy. They can take away everything else I've got, but they can't take that from me. I think it's up to the pastors and spiritual leaders today to rekindle people. And all around us, are powerless leaders, powerless pastors, powerless missionaries, powerless teachers who are filled with desire to entertain the masses rather than be filled with the Holy Spirit and the power to teach the truth. And I'm telling you, friends, I have witnesses, they'll tell you, Pastor Bob will tell you all day long. I don't don't sit around and talk with my pastor friends and say, hey, how many are you running now? Because I don't care. Do I? I don't care. I want to know how many people, if they want to tell me, hey, guess what? We had 10 people converted and saved Sunday. Now, now that I want to hear. I want to hear that. And I'm not going to say, man, I wish they'd come to our church. I want to build a church, friends, through the Lord Jesus Christ, that people will come here and do that. They will get saved because of that. I want to move on people. I want to give them something that they never had before. We've got something. But people will come to a church. I found, I used to worry about where we were. I used to worry that because we were inner city, people wouldn't come. You know what? How many of you drive from outside of this neighborhood to come to church here? Why can't other people? And they will. I believe that people will go where they're getting something that they need, where they're getting something that they've never had before, never learned before, never enjoyed before. Well, why don't we give them that? I, I, I believe we have a great church. Do you think we have a great church? If you think we have a great church, do something about it. We gotta bring, See, I can't, I can't do all of it. You have to do it. You get them here, you get them here, and I'll do my very best, best, keep my eyes focused here and give them what God needs them to have. I'll make that deal with you. Fair enough? Mecca has to do the same. We need to, the people need to draw people and our pastoral leadership will teach them what they desperately need. God has given us great pastors here. We are fortunate to have the pastors we have. Do you know that? We're fortunate. Let's use it. I think some leaders are self-satisfied and self-motivated. That's a problem. Some people are satisfied with beautiful buildings, the name in the community, a large congregation, lots of money and maybe even lots of workers. I wish we had more workers. I do. If we had more workers, we'd do more things. We would. I promise you we would. And anybody who's been here long enough with me knows that. I'm not afraid to try anything. I'm not. I had a board member tell me a long time ago, Jimmy, you might remember, Mary Ann, m- Craig, you might remember. <laughs> well, I proposed something about, I don't know, 18, 19 years ago. And... uh We have one person on the board there, Rick, everybody kind of listened to. And uh, he said, well, what what if that doesn't work? And I said, well, I guess we won't do it again. (laughs) But you can't be afraid to try it just because you've never done it before. Gosh, I never tried Christianity before neither, but it worked pretty good. Anybody? You see? That's the point. And I think these people that are satisfied with these things, I think they may be satisfied, but they they may be satisfied, but we must never be satisfied with poor leadership. We must never be satisfied with mediocre leadership. And I'm not talking about leadership that we can get anywhere else. I'm talking about spiritual leadership. If your pastor is spiritually leading you, then he's doing his job. Because anytime you get a group of people together, there's going to be certain things you don't care for or don't like or things don't go the way you want them to. But that, that, that see, we that's not what's important. What's important is, are we spiritually being led properly? And you know how you do that? Right here. Right here is how you do it. There's no better way to do it. It's been tried. This is it. Every time. And so that's how I do it. Are we as big as Maryland or World Gospel No, But I don't think size has got anything to do with it. Size of people in your congregation isn't what makes you powerful or not. It makes you what's visible. And I'm not picking on those churches. I I know the pastors. They're good guys, both of them, or any other church out there. I'm grateful when they do well, okay? But it comes back to this every time. When people hear what they don't want to hear, they'll leave. It's happened more than once. But as long as you can put your head on the pillow, and I told this to somebody yesterday, if you, as long as you can put your head on the pillow and say, you know what, but I taught the word of God. I did it in a manner way that God wanted it taught. And you know what? If they don't like it, their are struggles with him, not me. I've done it right. And that's what every single one of you needs to understand. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed to tell it. Billy's are surrounded by people all the time that don't want to hear it. Yes or no? Word. Word. I dare say most of you probably are. I know you are because the world doesn't want to hear it. Matt's been doing it for years, haven't you? Suit the bank, yes or no? Well, yeah, it's part of it. I think we have to face the fact that we have forgotten the commission that God gave us. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, making disciples of all people. That's what Jesus said. Friends, the church has not done it. And near as I can tell, it's not doing it now. Really. We have to have our own thinking rekindled. We have to redo how we do Christian life. And we need to ask the Lord, oh God, what am I doing? What can I do? What do you want me to do so I might be my best for you? Before he died, the great Billy Graham noted that thousands of Baptist churches the previous year did not have even one single baptism. Mm -hmm. That's pretty tough when Baptist is in your name. I'm gonna tell you something. I'm picking on Baptist churches, friends, because we went for years here with no baptisms. I know we did. And when Pastor Donna offered us the baptistry, I was grateful, because now we had no excuses. It didn't matter if it was cold outside, and the river was frozen over, or Herbin Lanny's pool wasn't available to us, or wherever else we did them. We, I think the first baptism I did here was what Craig, 25 people, isn't that about right? I think so. It was amazing, and you know, we we had been taught you know for years to be solemn about it, and I'm like, no, we're gonna clap, woohoo! It's exciting, right? Baptisms are important, not because we're doing them, but because somebody made a change in their life. That's important, and so Billy Graham said. Well, What are you doing? What are you doing? He could have been talking about more than just Baptist churches. In fact, I'm sure he was. For many, there were no converts, no baptisms, and no new members in 12 long months. Zero. He only looked at one year. What if he looked at 10 or 20 years? I think the same result. Hundreds of other churches had only one or two, but sadly, most churches had zero. None at all. Now, friends, I have to tell you that there are things in this life that ought to move us. You understand? There are things that ought to move us. We ought to be shaken by sin. Shouldn't we? We shouldn't say, well, you know, that's but that's society, that's the way it is. That's where we, you know, we're gonna do about it. That's the wrong attitude. The church ought to be shaken by sin. Because if you can't beat them, you'll join them. And the only way you're going to beat them is through him. And he is shaken by sin. God is shaken by sin. Do you know that? How many of you know that God is shaken by sin? God hates sin. The Bible says so. He hates sin sin so what happens when you're involved in it just a little bit he hates it all of it are you grasping this today you should be shaken by sin you should hate sin no matter what it is and no matter who is involved in it no matter how close to you they are you should hate it not the person the sin is that biblical is it scriptural? Is it commanded? Yes. Yes and yes. We live in a wicked, immoral, confusing and self-centered society. We do. Anybody in here that doesn't know that, where have you been? You were on that airplane that was on the show. What do they call that? That got lost for five years and all of a sudden landed? Yeah. Yeah. That's creepy, man. Right? I watched it for a little bit. I couldn't take any more. But, right? Sometimes I feel that way right i used to sometimes i think to myself uh, what would happen if i cuz i look at all the things in my life i would change and i think what if god would take me out of this life right now and insert me back somewhere when i was in high school or i was in the marine corps or something like that i wonder i wonder you know what i worry about what if i remember my locker combination i wonder if i right that's stupid things to think about i ought to be thinking what i would do different i end up thinking how i would right some wrongs right because sometimes I feel like I'm in the twilight zone. There ought to be things in your life you wish you could overturn. There ought to be things. And, and you know what, friends? You can't do that. But my very first message here, I said, you cannot. You cannot change the chapters in the book of your life that are already written. Do you remember this? You guys remember? remember? I said it. And I didn't steal it from anybody. That's mine. You can't. Change those, you can't change, what's right, but you can start today and write the rest of the novel. And it can, based on what you do now, have an entirely different ending. That is the key, friends. And that, I think we've got to think about that every day because God wants us to do that. It only took me 20 years to repeat it here. So think about those things. And I want to tell you something. In this wicked, immoral, loose, and confusing, self-centered society, Radio, TV, movies, internet, video games. You know what these things are doing? They're not entertaining us. They might be, but they're turning people away from God, not toward Him. They are turning people away from God, not toward Him. Don't tell me they're not. I don't trust almost any of the news sources anymore. Almost none of them. They are so left-leaning, it makes me want to be sick. They only... Touch on the things that they know will stir up emotions amongst people. That's all they're doing. That's all they're doing. We have a society of people, politically, that say, I can't stand that guy because he's a liar. But they embraced and loved a bigger liar previous. See, you only do that when you want what you want. You only do that when it's about you. Um, And notice I'm not naming names we putting labels. I'm simply saying, that's what we do. If it suits us, we do it. If it doesn't, we won't. And we don't like truth too much. Do you know why radio, TV, movies, internet, video games, and the media are turning people away from God? Because that's what they're designed to do. They're designed to do that. Now, I'm not saying don't play video games. I'm not saying don't watch TV. But you know which ones to play and which ones to watch. You know. And if you don't, I'll help you. Or you get a hold of somebody who you know is a strong Christian. Let them help you. <laughs> you don't want to do that because you know what it is? You want to you cheat a little bit. You want to go across the line a little bit. You know it because I can handle it. I can handle it because my spirituality is strong enough that I can handle this. No, you can't. Not if you make a habit of it, you can't. Nobody is that strong. No one takes a little bit of time. And the devil's got you and he knows it. Because now compromise begins to take place. The sin of today, my friends, is self-centeredness. It's a day of godlessness, and that should trouble every single one of us. Some Christians don't, just don't seem to be bothered by it. They go about their business thinking, well, what am I going to do about it? It's just the way things are. Besides, I'm not doing it, and the Christians I know who are doing it, well, they're good people, and they love the Lord, so what's the big deal? I've actually heard people say that. They'll argue with me about something I can prove biblically because they know Christians that they work with or from other churches or whatever and they're doing it and they're good people. I didn't say they weren't. I said it's not Christian to do what they're doing. It's not Christian to believe what they believe and I can prove it. I can prove it because God does, it's in here. I'm not gonna tell you if it's not here. And don't take my word for it, look at it yourself. I'm just being honest here, right? I I make that deal with anybody. Look at the word of God. If you can make a case for it, okay. Okay. Church, the true believer will be shaken and moved to holy compassion, a condemnation of sinful activity, an acknowledgement that he or she believes the word of God completely and is convicted of it in his or her own heart. To them, there is no conflict with with God and his word. With, with God and His Word, that's what He has said, that there's no conflict within because I'm just going to follow it. You're, there's only a conflict when you defy it, when, you're, when you are disobedient, and when you reject it. That's where the conflict takes place. And what's happened is they've gotten into a rut. But you know what, friends? A wise person once said, a rut is nothing more than a grave with both ends knocked out. Man! Is that powerful or what? And I'm afraid that pastors are largely at fault. Everything falls upon leadership. If you're constantly trying to please people so that you are successful here on earth, well, it's no wonder the church is divided upon what's right and wrong. There's no wonder. That's why we have an infusion of the Holy Spirit like this. There has to be a time when we stop and think and let God move our hearts. And I would like to consider today a threefold prayer. I don't have time to finish this message. But God has to rekindle us to repentance. He has to move us to repentance. We need to repent of wrongdoing or, get this, nothing doing. Nothing doing. This means we have to have the mind of Christ, not our own, His. And it means we have to confess our sins, and we all have to start our prayers every day with that. Every one of us does. Because you might have sinned and didn't even know it. Then we have to pray. Dear Father, help me repent. Turn away from sin. Refuse the things that are contrary to the word of God. Rekindle us. Shake us. Move us to repentance that we may see ourselves as we are. Secondly, we have to rekindle ourselves back to the basics, and only God can do that. We have to return to reading the Bible. I mean really reading it. Because you're not reading it unless you're actually living it out and doing it. You might as well stop reading. You're not going to do it. We need to return to the altar of prayer. And your altar can be wherever God puts you on your knees. It can be wherever God puts you on your knees. We have to return to a separated living. The Bible says, come out from them and be separate. I'm not saying lose all your friends that are non-Christian. I'm saying put things in perspective. Spend more time and be influenced by those that are versus the ones that aren't. Separate yourself from this world while living in it. You understand? You gotta, we got to go back to that. We have to return to a place of worship. Now, I know people are going to get angry with me for this, but I'm telling you, I'm not telling you to go to church no matter what. I'm not suggesting that you ignore COVID or anything else that might be an unsafe thing to do. What I'm saying, People hear me say that, of course. But I will tell you this. Satan is and will use anything he can to keep people out of the sanctuary. And not only that, the sanctuary isn't your only place of worship. It isn't. I know for a fact that John has spent time in prayer in his classroom. I know that I know that Alan's have done it. I know that those of you who work in in other places, you've done it. I know I, I I know it. That's your place of worship. We need to return to that wherever you are. We also need to return to honesty in our tithing. Listen, if you got to ask anybody how much you should tithe or when, you got a problem. It's all the time in what God has given you, period. And if you need to know what that is, come and see me. Thirdly, we need to rekindle ourselves to a personal revival. Revival starts with you. God needs to revive the work in us. There was a... Great pastor by the name of Mordecai Ham died in 1961. He was a personal friend of Billy Graham. The two often spoke fondly of each other. In fact, Billy Graham got saved in 1934 under Mordecai Ham's preaching. That's kind of a big deal. Of course, we don't hear about him too much. But he held a revival meeting in Nashville, Tennessee in May of 1941. And the revival meeting, get this, lasted for three months. Three months, every single night. And for the first month, Mordecai Ham preached a whole month, every single night, and he never gave an altar call, not one time. And people came to him uh, about the third weekend and said, please have an altar call so people come to the altar. Because to them, that was what was success if they saw people at the altar. He said, nope, God didn't tell me to. And so about six weeks in, he had an altar call, and it was filled. You know why? Because God said, they're not ready, they're not ready, they're not ready. Don't do things because it makes people feel good about it. Do it because God said so, and because it'll be effective. Thanks for listening to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. For more great, biblically sound teaching, visit freelifecc.com.